Welcome, all you listeners out there, to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. And I am your host, John, with me, as always, my beloved, my dearest friend, my co-host. My light in the stars. My cream in my coffee. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for being here. Yeah, I appreciate my the chance to be the wind beneath your wings from day to day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, I had a week off vacation, and I'm feeling positive about everything. <laughs> Maybe we should make that then. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, I mean, this time around, randomly rolled up on the list Dark Crystal. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was on the list. I wouldn't have thought it was... Something that people thought was like worthy of of full examination. Neither did I. Honestly, when I rolled it, I was like, I feel like I remember us talking about that enough that I had to check to make sure we didn't review it. <laughs> I mean, because it's it's a a beloved movie of mine. I've I've uh, I mean, mostly for the art direction and the story of the world behind it, not so much the actual you movie know, itself. Very bo- kind of turgid film. Yeah, I mean, this was, for me and my childhood, this one kind of skipped me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, my big Jim Henson thing was Labyrinth. I was going to say, for a lot of people, it's Labyrinth, and uh, Labyrinth skipped me. See, and I feel like that's one of those things, is you were either a Labyrinth kid or you were a Dark Crystal kid. And so either you watched Dark Crystal and were a boring piece of shit like you... (laughs) Or I thought it was the cream of your coffee. <laughs> oh, that that goodwill ran out real fast. <laughs> All right, you don't drink coffee. Oh yeah, wait a minute. I hate coffee. <laughs> I was gonna say I figured you were just gonna call me old because you know it's it's about five or six years older than Labyrinth uh, than uh, Labyrinth is. But even then, this is from like eighty two, so I would have been like two or three. It's still too. Uh, it, it's not oh, an no. age thing. No, this is definitely one that you know. Both of us would have had to have someone else be like, hey, you should watch this. Yes. Yeah. And I just didn't get that for Labyrinth. I didn't see Labyrinth until I was like, I don't know, maybe 17 or 18. I gotta think there was, I don't think we had the actual VHS of it, but I'm pretty sure at some point we had to have had like a free Disney Channel thing and we recorded it because I watched the shit out of it. But yeah. I remember, I have a Dark Crystal story. It's fairly minor. It's nothing, nothing super important. But oh, but please uh, tell a, me. A long time, a, a long time ago, we had a like family gathering at my house for like my girlfriend's side of the family. So she has tons of brothers and sisters, and all of them have lots of kids. So it's a huge family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are all these pe- these kids under fifteen, just sort of sitting in my living room, all looking at their phones. And I walked in. I was like, "You guys want to watch something?" I was like, and they were like, "Of course, sure." So I put on Dark Crystal, and I left. <laughs> That is the correct move. I came back about an hour and ten minutes later, and everyone was goggle-eyed staring at the screen. And when I came in, people were like, oh, he's here, he's here. What is that? Why is this happening? What kind of a thing is that? Is that thing going to die? <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening here? None of them were mad at me. They were just, like, so confused. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> are these puppets? What are we even looking at? How come this isn't CGI? Uh no, I I think like you with Labyrinth, I don't think I really sat down and watched The Dark Crystal until I was in my late teens. Yeah. And that's, 
I mean, it's like when I tried to make our friend Russ watch Goonies for the first time when he had never seen it. Oh, jeez. And he was just like, what is this Scooby-Doo bullshit? And I'm like, <laughs> I'll murder you. <laughs> I always tell when I when I have to introduce someone to Goonies for the first time, I'm like, it's Robert Altman for kids. <laughs> that's because that's that's pretty much the closest thing it actually is. No one ever shuts the fuck up. Everyone is constantly talking all the way through the movie. <laughs> directing uh, it must have been fucking impossible <laughs> yeah the i mean dark crystal without really getting into any spoilers for anyone who this has missed you which i assume there's gotta be a fairly large chunk of our audience that yeah unless you went and sought it out because of the series the tv series that came out mm -hmm. like this wasn't one of those things that i feel really stuck around as like, a, oh, yeah, you've definitely seen this. Yeah, the big thing you can say about this movie, because it's funny, you try and cast around for uh, war, like words that will describe its its greatness or whatever, and the best thing you can really say about this movie is that it's groundbreaking. But that said, no one used that ground for anything. <laughs> it's a very, it, it, it feels like people want to say, oh, it's a it's an innovative movie that, that changed the landscape. It didn't. It didn't change the landscape of the industry. It flopped dramatically, and the only thing it ever really set up was Labyrinth. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, given when it came out, it definitely at least made its money back and then some. Yeah. Probably enough to cover it and make a little bit of money. Yes, but but not enough for what Henson needed at the time. Like like I said, this is the, this wasn't a huge hit, but no. at least it wasn't like a bomb. No, no, I think I think Labyrinth was. Pretty, that's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think this movie did especially well. I mean, Eighty two is a weird time for it to come out. People were hungry for stuff for sci fi stuff, and they were still a year out from Return of the Jedi and two years past Empire. And here we see a movie where Frank Oz voices a wise little squishy weirdo. And I, I'm sure that probably drove at least a few people to the theaters. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, again, no spoilers, because we're going to get deep into the actual very stupid, weird plot of this. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you've only seen the TV show. That's be, weird. Be ready for this. If you go to see it <laughs> to be very boring and bad. <laughs> like. I don't, because I didn't watch this as a kid, I don't have the nostalgia hook on it. Yeah. And so, for me, it really is just kind of like a, god damn, get an editor, this is plodding. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got a glacial pace to it. And even, the problem is, even when there are action-y scenes, the lead is just this total blank slate numbnuts. Uh, I mean, oh. I, I love the, the character design on Jen, don't get me wrong, Gelfling's super cool, but 90% of the movie is him standing around going, what should I do? The Great Conjunction comes. The Dark Crystal. The Shard, though. But what do I do? When the Great Conjunction, my master, Great <laughs> Shard, Dark yeah. Crystal, alone then. And he's like, fucking do anything! Yeah, the problem, really, why you get so many scenes of just like, Oh, here's Jen looking off into the middle distance thinking of the exact same thought 37 times is because the puppet for him is garbage. Yes. No, it's not very mobile. Uh, uh, that is kind of the, the problem with the, you run into with this movie is that the the uh, the puppets, while absolutely beautiful, those breathtakingly well designed and crafted. And it, even when they're like intentionally gross, they are still absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they're they're not as mobile as one might hope. And I'm sure that was actually something that Henson hated about this. Like, the process. Well, yeah, I mean, 
you look at something like the even the Skeksis and the Mystics or whatever. Yeah, the Uru. Because they have sort of weird, uh, exaggerated features and mm-hmm. things like that. When they like talk or do something or move around, it almost doesn't matter that their face isn't as like flexible because they're already, you know, animated just in the way that they're created. Well, yeah, Sketchies have bird faces, and birds are already kind of like, what can a bird do with its face? It can clack its beak around and move its eyes. But like when you make the Gelfling, you're like, oh, okay, this is a guy, pretty much just a dude, yeah. and the fact that we can't like animate his cheeks or eyes or anything to really do much is like oh man you're pretty much just clacking that mouth whenever he wants to talk and it doesn't look amazing there's a reason that uh, that this movie has probably more on-screen voiceover than just about any other movie you'll ever see there's all these shots of jen and just just his mental monologue going on as he kind of wanders around because his mouth moving is hard but him just going i can't do this alone all right, alone then. In in you know, just voiceover is functional. Yes, I mean, and like I said, when you get like the Skeksis, they can talk to each other because it doesn't matter. Yeah, they, they look rad, so you're not like distracted by the fact that they aren't moving too much in their face. You're like, look, I'm trying to look at the 27 different things hanging off of this weird bird emperor's robe. Yeah, I don't have time to worry about whether or not his face wrinkles. Plus, I mean, let's face it, the Henson Corporation had mastered Big Bird-style technology by 82, so of course they could make like 10 of them and have it look cool. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there you go. The the non-spoiler review, it's, uh... It's worth watching, but it's not worth... If you haven't come to it with nostalgia, it's not worth watching. I still say it's probably worth watching. It's just that it's a challenging watch. Yeah. All right. We are going to play a little music, and then we are going to come right in hot and heavy with the full in-depth review of The Dark Crystal. Another world. Another time. His life was green and good until the crystal cracked. We have returned and we are ready to talk about jim henson and frank oz's very own the dark crystal frank oz had much more input on this one he was one of the directors Mm -hmm. one of the producers he was much more heavily involved than a lot of the uh just being a voice actor yes yeah he's also one of the people who was doing puppet work of course because he's obviously here but I think he was he was always kind of behind the drive to push for more adult entertainment with the Muppets and and that that whole kind of company mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you see you still see a lot of the other names from that era. in here you see Dave Gels and Steve Whitmire and guys like that, uh, but they're just doing voice work. Yeah. But uh, I do. I, I want to say the like you were saying before, the amount of voiceover and I mean, it starts right away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't mind the narration as much as I mind Jen's bullshit inner monologue. <laughs> well, the narrator's really, really good. And of course, he gets a lot of like, the, his monologue from the beginning of this has been sampled on in, in all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. He's a it, it's a fun monologue. He is also the voice of the uh, I think what they call the Urskak at the very end when the aliens cr- creatures are revealed. The, the, the one of them that has any lines. That's just the narrator again. Yeah. 
Um, but, it, but yeah, he's just got a great intonation of his voice. It's and it's this weird seventy sound in sci fi bullshit he's saying. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean you're you're panning across uh absolutely wonderful Henson Froud nonsense yes. piece, and have someone with a gorgeous voice just being like. And then the two races appeared, and yeah. the crystal cracked. And you're like, okay, fuck it, sure, why not, man? The Skeksis, eternally pow powered by the power of their source. <laughs> you're like, like, yeah, Whoa, obviously. Okay, great, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, Brian Froud is a big influence on this. His art is 100%, everything you're going to see is him and his wife. Oh, I mean, very clearly, especially the Podlings and the Gelflings are like, that is peak Froud. Yes, that's exactly what Froud like. In the uh, I'd say the Landstriders are probably right up in his design element as well. Uh, it, it's funny because his son has turned uh, tur just like Brian Henson has done. Uh, uh, Froud's, Toby Froud. Toby Froud is also an artist and also worked on the uh, on the show for this and was the baby in Labyrinth. Yes, indeed. <laughs> He's not here though. No one reminds you of the babe in this. Movie. No, he is not in studio with us right now. <laughs> He had well, a prior he, engagement. We have a mic set up for him. It's like leaving his uh, what like a, a plate for Elijah. Yeah, you know, we always <laughs> we always leave a mic for Toby Froud. <laughs> Someday, we hope. <laughs> Keeps having weird prior engagements. I know he all. It's like he has a job at her career or something. Something. God damn. Uh but yeah. Once you get drawn in, and you're like, all right, I'm here. We got the bad guys, which are just horrible weird vulture men and the good guys which are just pure muppet bullshit well yeah they just look like four-armed brown dinosaur monsters they're they're great they're just i mean they are pure muppet to me because you're yeah. like what's that it is sort of a fuzzy round soft looking <laughs> non-threatening thing that's just kind of like hey everybody well yeah because they look like herbivorous dinosaurs they they really do they look like arm like ankylosaurs or something ah. like especially in, uh, well i mean are, they've got those big old tails yeah well they're by it's funny because they're bipedal but they don't look bipedal no they, they're they're so leaning forward because of the, the weight of those tails on the ground that like they have four arms and all four arms seem like they should be ambulating instead of just sort of waving around underneath them they are very freaky when you actually stop and look at them but just from their faces and haircuts you're like oh these guys are cool they probably are going to teach me some secret wisdom. Yeah, but then there's that one scene where one of them does the full, like, S-foils open X-wing looking thing, and you're like, oh, shit, you've got four arms and you are scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that the fact that they're, like, a thousand years old and don't have the Dark Crystal's essence juice to drink means that they are pretty wasted. But that still, they look like they could fuck you up in their prime. Ah. Like if you if you met one of those guys like 800 years ago, I'm sure he'd be like a big four-armed dinosaur and you'd be like, "Well, I'm not I'm not going to fuck with that guy. That <laughs> that 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 guy will bear hug me that into death." That dude's basically like a muppet rahu man. Yeah, so, I don't want to I don't want to get in there. But yeah, we we see them right away. Uh they're pretty much the first thing you Well, I guess the Well, we no, basically jump emperor. back and forth between yeah. the Skeksis and the Mystics or the Ursu, which we don't really get that until I think the Uru. very end. Yeah, you only hear Uru once. Uh, I w during the final scene when the Skeksis are running around like all confused because the the shard has been reunited with the crystal, and the the Uru the the mystics start kind of marching in. One Skeksis goes, "No, the Uru!" And you're like, "Oh shit, they have a name." Wait a minute, that's what Thor's hammer is made of. <laughs> mystics. 
Yes. That's why you don't, they don't make a lot of them. Yeah. So it was really unpleasant, unpleasant to make the one, and they pretty much stopped it after that. <laughs> we had to melt down too many Muppets for this hammer. <laughs> uh, and the near far tri- trick stopped working on him after a while. Ah. Thank you, the state. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, we get to see the death of the old emperor of the Skeksis, because at the beginning there, I think, are ten surviving Skeksis, and then yeah. there's nine through most of the film. Yeah. And... We right away get the sort of connection between the Skeksis and the Mystics in that we go back and forth with like, oh, the Skeksis Emperor is dying, but also the Elder Mystic is also dying. Yeah, there's also ten of them. You just starting to put this together? Ah, uh, because we're going to keep doing this right to the very end. Don't worry, Jen will never figure it the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to get it during the opening narration. Oh, yeah. I mean, immediately when the guy's like, and then as soon as the crystal cracked, these two guys showed up. And you're like, okay. Yeah. All no, right. We're up, we're up to speed. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're getting the, the old emperor of the Skeksis, though he has clung to life for quite a long time, is finally ready to die. And ooh, baby. That is, there are moments in this movie that I'm like, God damn, that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know in a very long, boring package, <laughs> just like mine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. hmm hmm And <laughs> the Emperor freaking out when the Chamberlain tries to take his scepter is right up there with uh, Bilbo in <laughs> Lord of the Rings oh, yeah. freaking out and trying to take the ring back, where you're just like, oh, <laughs> fuck me! <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a moment. Yeah, because the Chamberlain, who we are introduced right away, and they did a great job... These these Skeksis, there's, you know, nine of them that are relevant, and several of them are kind of hard to tell apart. Like, the the difference between the ritual master and the, the ornamentalist and the general is kind of, you know, you better really know your clothes. Huh. But when it comes to the Chamberlain, there's no mistaking him. They did a great job immediately setting him up as a singular entity. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's just walking down the hall with the general, just... Yeah, he won't stop with that whimper noise. Stop that whimpering! Yeah. <laughs> I hate your whimper. Yeah, so, but he just does that constantly. It's his little vocal tell, and right away you can tell these two are going to be relevant, and the other ones are just going to be background grossness. I do enjoy the weird little things that you can see mm-hmm. just in the background. They do such a good fucking job on the Skeksis, like so much went into them yeah. because even if you're like oh what's this oh this is the treasurer and no matter what's happening like that character always has money in their hand or mm-hmm. a box yeah, or he's got something his casket. he has a little casket of cash that he keeps in strokes like it's a pet yeah and and he's and covered in jewels and, and shit. there's no point in anywhere throughout the entire movie where they call him the treasurer no, uh, the only one who, I think the only ones who ever hear their names said out loud are like the uh, the Chamberlain and the General. Yeah, I I mean maybe we get the Ritual Master. I, I he he definitely is a master of rituals. You can see that out of him. He's always the one who's announcing shit whenever yeah. you're like yes, trial by stone or whatever. So you know what he does, but you can tell with all of them what they do. And honestly, if there was one thing that always always disappointed me about this film. It's that the Skeksis are so lived in, and you can really oh, you can look yeah. at them for a second and be like, that's the Gourmand, that's the Ornamentalist, that's the Scroll Keeper, I know my fucking Skeksis. The, the, the Mystics look like nine armadillos with Ricardo Montalban hair. And there is nothing different about them. Like, 
you they have their own names and they're all like yeah. oh we're the opposites of whatever so the gourmand has the mystic is the cook yeah and sure there's one of them that's near a pot in the little mystic village yes but there's nothing about the way he looks or anything he does that would be like, oh, yeah, that's this dude's thing. Yeah, like the opposite of the Chamberlain, and I only know this because I love Dark Crystal, and so I've like read books about it and shit in the, in the interim. It, the opposite of the Chamberlain is the Chanter. And I'm like, oh, that's a shit job to be assigned if you're a mystic. They all chant. That's the one thing we know about them. I'm the one guy who starts the chant, though. I'm always the one who goes, oh, first. So <laughs> that's me. No one else <laughs> yeah, do that. I'm the one who gets to start it. <laughs> or he's the one who has the coolest, oh. So he's like, yeah, everyone else is like, oh, and he's like, oh, (laughs) when do I get to solo in another 300 years? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, that is, it's so good. This God, the Skeksis are so fucking good. I, as much as I have made it clear that I don't really like this movie very much. Yeah. God damn. This movie gets points just for them because they went above and beyond. Yeah. And my. I mean, my general theory here uh, for the fact that, like, the crystal broke and it split the one race into these two. Yes. Is I assume the Skeksis are just everything physical and the Mystics are everything mental. That could very well be, although it honestly could be that one side got all the evil half and the other one's got the apathetic half. I mean, because there's a Skeksis scientist. No, I'm not saying, like, mental as in smart or dumb just like more physical and spiritual okay because you have everything that the skeksis do and are about are just bodily hedonism the clothes the items that they have the food that they eat everything is about like having their physical bodies regenerated as well yeah to me it's always been a difference between asceticism and opulence is kind of what you see especially when you see things like okay well Who's the Skeksis? Who's the fat one who's always got his mouth in his food? The gourmand. And what's his what's his uh, mystic equivalent? The cook. You're like, well, what's the cook do? Oh, he makes thin, simple gruels that they can eat so they don't die. Yeah. And the opposite of the ornamentalist is the weaver. And you're like, yeah, so he just makes... He makes the poncho that they all they wear. wear. crappy ponchos. Where the ornamentalist is like, I, I, I killed a hundred birds to make this neck thing. Well, I, I found out that it uses a ton of blood as lacquer and you're like okay you're fucked up yeah yeah so to me it's always been i mean you could you could definitely do it as is physical versus spiritual or ascetic versus opulent but they are they are opposites yes and i just think it's interesting because it also goes into like the skexies have fallen into that pure hedonism Mm -hmm. and instead of it being a good versus evil you also have the mystics who are like they have fallen into just pure spiritualism where they're like oh we don't have any bodily needs we don't care about anything we're just pure ritual and enlightenment to the fact that the like jen our main gelfling hero who is taken in by them knows nothing of the world he was taught how to like read and write and he taught was taught languages and the symbols of kindness but was never shown actual kindness to other people yes 
Yeah, he has. He's very cloistered as a person, and it's interesting. Like when you first watch this movie, and you're a kid, and he meets Kira, and Kira like knows how to talk to the animals and can fly, and knows what the fuck is going on, and has seen Gartham before, and can and can knock Crystal Bass out of the sky with her with her weapons and so on. You're like, God damn, how come she's useful and he's worthless? And it's like, well, he he is useful for like two things. She's worldly because she's been raised to survive, and he's like, no, I grew up in a monk village. Yeah. I can do monk stuff. I know how to read. Yeah. And that is the uh, entirety of my skill set. Well, I think one of the things, this movie has a boulderization problem, where, or a flanderization problem, where, uh, no, wait, flanderization. Wait a minute, is, Simpsonization problem. No, no, problem. flanderization isn't, is, boulderization is what I want. That's when something becomes a parody of itself over a sufficient period of time. Flanderization is chewing your food enough, like too much. <laughs> um, so let's let's make sure I remember that correctly. Uh, anyway, it's got a boulderization problem where over the decades people obtain like, oh, the mystics are the wise elder, wist- like myst- they're mystics. They're they're w- kind of like hedge wizards or something, and they're not. They they are as broken as the Skeksis are. Yes, the separation of the two of them, like I was saying, it isn't really good and evil so much as just only focusing on one thing to the exclusion of all else. Yeah, the, the and- movie. Yeah. Ugh. The first thing it says about the mystics is the mystics are wise and intelligent and steeped in ritual that they do without understanding why anymore. Yeah. They've forgotten everything but the fact that they do this. Yes. So it's kind of, they're honestly a very sad species and it's, it's really neat to see them that way where I, I feel like that's the sort of thing that could really use a focus is like, they're not the good guys to the Skeksis bad guys. They are a broken, worthless people that the Gelflings were probably ignoring well up until their own execution. Oh yeah. And, you know, like I said, even though they took in Jen, that's mostly just because there was a prophecy. They aren't out there doing good things. They aren't heroes. They don't help anyone. Yeah, they just stay in their village. The only one that helped anyone is in the is in the miniseries, that archer guy. Yeah. So anyway, um, Jen is summoned by the most famous of all the mystic things that mystics do, which is all of them going, oh, and uh which by the way is really fun to start in a crowd if you if you uh, ever go to a convention and there's an audience definitely scatter yourself and your friends around with the expectation that you're going to do the mystic thing and see how many other people you can get to do it yeah because yeah. once you get to the point where if you've got like maybe a dozen people in there yeah and you're scattered around you're gonna start getting people that are like well fuck it i guess we're doing this I, now oh we're dark crystalling <laughs> oh fuck yeah the power of my source is this shit <laughs> I mean, you'll get people who are like, I've never seen Dark Crystal and I don't know what's happening, but people are going, aw, and I'm into it. <laughs> but they summon Jen, who is sitting naked by a lake, looking like a ball-jointed doll. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Just for all the world, like an anatomy doll that you would have sitting there so you could have art references. I would not make him naked, personally. That would be my, I'd keep that the clothes on him. That was a bad yeah. choice. <laughs> you can really see the joints. Uh, but he's sitting there playing his cool little wife lute. Uh, and then he gets summoned to go talk to the el- the mystic elder, the 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 emperor equivalent. Yeah, who's just like, hey, buddy, you're gonna have to go on a weird quest. Here's one bit of information. Now I die. It's it's so dumb. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I probably should have told you about this, you know, a while ago. Or but written something down, given that we're the only people in the world who still keep language and uh... written language, rather. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to tell you that you need to find a shard from Agra 
And that's it. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it. I'm not going to tell you where to go with it. I'm just going to tell you, go find Ogret. I'm not going to tell you where that person is. I'm not going to tell you it's a person. As far as you know, it might be a country. <laughs> go find Ogra. Get a crystal shard. Peace. I'm about to bend Kenobi out of here. Time to do my star death. I'm clothes. Remember me. I'm Yodaing out real hard. Empire Strikes Back was two years ago. <laughs> Although, I guess that'd be Return of the Jedi, where you watch him Yoda out real hard. Well, that's why I said he Ben Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. Ben Kenobi death. Yeah. I'm just trying to draw the parallels, because this still, like I said, this still has Frank Oz as Lady Yoda. <laughs> oh, not Yaddle, but Agra. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Agra. I love Agra. Agra's one of my favorite things about this about this world. Again? Agra, great performance. Mm -hmm. You know, very realized, very lived in character. Uh, every time, that, my favorite thing with Agra is every time she sits down and it takes her like a minute, she's like, oh, oh God. <laughs> I love that they're giving so much physical weight to this puppet. Oh, yeah. And the amount of just crap that they threw at Agra mm -hmm. to be like, all right, what are you? All right, we're going to make you some weird witch thing. All right, you got one eye, you can remove the eye and look through it. That's classic witch stuff. Yeah. What else? We're going to give you horns. One big, nasty horn that looks like a poop. All right, what else? We're going to give you, like, sideburns and a mustache. Okay, what else? Hanging naturals with big pokey nips. What? Yeah, that's that, right. You heard me. That, too. I mean, real hanging. They're going to go to, like, your knees. And they are so cold. <laughs> Yeah, she's a very interesting design. Yeah. I mean, I love it because she doesn't look anything. There, there's You can't really suss out much about the character because she's just this weird collection of ancient tropes. But of course, because she's also a thousand years old. Yeah. And <laughs> I got to say, as soon as Jen takes off from the mystics, though, that whole period before he meets Agra is fat garbage. It's boring. <laughs> It's one of the it's one of the couple times. On the I mean, end. especially that line that you already mentioned earlier. They're like, "I don't want to go alone, alone." Then, yeah. and I'm like, "Fuck you! You don't get to do that one right after the other." And the funny thing is, that's a setup for a line later in the movie, anyway. Yes, where when he meets Kira, and Kira's like, "I'm going with you," and he's like, "You don't have to. I know, I am." All right, together then. You're like, "Oh, okay." It's a punchline. It's a setup punchline thing, but the setup line was bad. Yes. <laughs> And then, yeah, it's just a montage of a kid in gen clothes scrambling around, like, what I'm pretty sure are British hillsides. Probably. Yeah. Because uh, they, when they do long shots, they'll they'll just do a shadow of Jen, and they'll use a human actor. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of... There's just a human in gelfling clothes for both of them. Yeah. That's like, what are you? We're just going to show you from behind scrambling around, because it's way easier that way. Totally appreciate it, but it is a boring montage. He sees a little bit of life during this, but mostly he's just scrambling around boring British heath, and then eventually finds like some big pink anemones that vanish when he tries to walk past them. Yeah. Now, in the meantime, the Skeksis Emperor died, and the Chamberlain <laughs> and the General basically have their own little factions yes. within the Skeksis for who backs them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't tell you who it is, but I feel like Generally speaking, the more serious they are, the more likely they are to back the general. So, like, the ritual master and the, the scroll keeper and stuff back the general, while it's, like, the gourmand and the ornamentalist who back the, uh, the, uh... The Chamberlain. Chamberlain, thank you. But, as soon as the 
General's like, no, you can't touch that scepter. Bah! Get back, spithead. <laughs> Love that fucking shit. The Chamberlain is immediately, he's like, I challenge you. And the Chamberlain just goes, trial by stone. And I'm like, dude, the trial by stone is who can hit a stone with a sword the hardest. You're a little wimpy, whiny man, and that's the general. Yeah, what the well, fuck are you doing? See, the thing here, John, is that you don't know what the other available trials are. There's the trial by whose name is most the general. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, There's... a thousand years ago, they had to set up trials. Yeah. And... Unfortunately, it <laughs> fell to the general. So all of them are <laughs> trial by having the best car insurance rates in town. <laughs> uh... It's really not fair to the Chamberlain. He took the best option he could. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they <laughs> trial by stone is great. I love that the stone is all old and weathered and shit. You can tell they've had a million trials by stone previously. Yes. Um, and they use these huge ornamental swords. It's it's very cool looking. Yeah. And I also appreciate that when the Chamberlain loses and the general's like, all right, I can't keep you around because you'll try to seize power from me. I know that. Yeah. But I can't kill you because there's only like nine of us. Yeah, it would look real bad if my first act as emperor was, let's literally decimate our numbers. Yes. <laughs> but I love that the punishment is like, oh, no, the punishment is take his robes, take his items. Yes. Because that's the biggest punishment for Askexes is you lose your stuff. You're a mystic now. You oh, no. Get out there and wander around with just like some rags on you. Yeah. No, it is fantastic. He's like, strip him of his robe. Now, me, Emperor. Everyone bow to me. I fucking love that guy. Oh, <laughs> fucking Skeksis. Winners all the way. Yeah, so he gets he gets banished. And at this point, we also cut to watch the Mystics start their march. As they're all just like, oh, it is time to go. Time to fuck off now. We'll gather up our useless bits of crap and start marching across an endless desert and... You're going to see us about six more times in this movie. You're going to keep cutting to us just sort of shuffling along. <laughs> and then Jen gets caught in some vines. Oh. And uh, yeah, he gets to meet Agra, and Agra is... Fantastic. Great. She's great a, performance. She's a Frank Oz playing a nasty little super smart scientist wizard troll. Great. And yeah. I love it. I mean, I especially appreciate Agra... Because she also isn't like, oh, I'm one of the good guys, and I'm no specifically trying to help you out. She's just like, <laughs> Agra is on Agra's side. She really is, because uh, she's well. The thing is, I think she's one of the very few people in the world. Even the Skeksis and the in the Uru do not know what they are. She's one of the very few people who's like, yeah, I know what happened. I know exactly what. The, none of those things are from my planet. That's all bullshit. If I could, I want them gone. Oh, yeah. She won't let that on, but she knows. I, also, I really love that her reaction to when Jen's like, I'm here to find Agra. Who sent you? Uh, oh, the wisest of the mystics. And her response is, oh, fuck, is he here? Fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, just looking around, like, trying to get away from what she thinks is one of the mystics. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't like either of you idiots. Yeah. <laughs> You're both the worst. And, I mean, even when she gets captured by the Gartham after this and taken to the Skeksis, she's immediately just like, oh, I'm not going to, like, bow to you or anything. I'm like, you dumb motherfuckers! Yes. Why would you take me? Oh, yeah! Don't ask me about 
a Gelfling. Don't come ask me. No, barge in with Gartham and steal me. Yes. She's like, I would have given you the Gelfling. I mean, she wouldn't, but she's so mad. She's like, God damn it. I love that Knock on a door. Yeah, because she gets dumped while they're eating dinner. She gets dumped on the floor in their room, and she stands up and walks around, pointing to all of them and march, like marching around about how they're fucking idiots. And at a certain point, she just gets comfortable and sits on the floor in front of them and is like, ah, nothing for you now. Gelfling's going to show up and kill you all. He fucked up. <laughs> Shouldn't have taken me. Make you crawl like the worms you are. <laughs> I love Agra. Specifically for that scene, honestly. Yeah. That scene with her and the Skeksis is fabulous. Yeah, uh, the little moments with Agra are phenomenal. If you know the backstory, you know that, that she's kind of a, t- a self-torturing character because she took that big orrery, that planetarium that she owns, as a gift from the Skeksis in exchange for sitting some conflict out. Um, so she's she's been kicking herself that she failed to defend the planet the way she was supposed to for, like, hundreds of years. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she she rescues Jen from some vines, which honestly are just one of her traps anyway, and then takes her to her house, which has this hilarious, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful, but completely worthless, overwrought planetarium. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's just like, here are all the planets and the stars. None of them spin, though. So <laughs> like five feet from each other. Uh, the, uh, according to this machine, the solar system of, of our planet is like 50% swords. <laughs> Space is real fucked up. I'm just going to let you know right now. Don't go out there. There's planets just straight up flying in formation. No orbit to be seen. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she's he's there to get a crystal shard. And she's like, oh, whatever. I have a bunch of those. Here, have a box of shards. Fucking you figure it out. That's one of my favorite little uh, nondescript moments that happens in this, this movie. It's like a little plot hole. She dumps like a dozen shards on the floor. We cut. And when we cut back, there's three left. And Jen's like... I know it's one of these three. How? <laughs> what did you, How do you know? What did you do? Because, like, then he does a little experiment where he's like, oh, I play my flute, and the actual dark crystal shard glows. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but how did you narrow it down to those three? Were the other ones you're like, oh, this one says made in Taiwan on it, so no. Well, this one's a corner piece, and I've heard that this is a middle one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one is just from some head shop, and it's used for cleansing the spirit all right no no this one's got a flared base so it's meant to go in butts (laughs) (laughs) agra will take that back (laughs) (laughs) wrong box it was uh and the gartham gets sent out by the skexies to go get the gelfling Mm -hmm. and the gartham are one of the more interesting things in that as a child, they are absolutely terrifying, like, beetle scorpion monsters. Yes. And as an adult, you're like, this looks <laughs> so fake and bad. I mean, I, I still love them. They kind of look like one-man parade floats when you're growing up. Oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> I can see the dude's legs underneath that costume. Yeah. Well, because a Gartham costume is basically a tent. Uh, that with big metal plates and fa- and arm claws on, uh, over the top of it, and at the bottom of it, they got two sets of crab legs. But the crab legs aren't individually; it's just two sets. Yes. So when they're walking, their crab legs just kind of swing like the sides of a big dress. And you can see a d- the dude's legs in black pants yeah. walking in between those uh, like beetle legs. But I mean, setting that aside, they are absolutely gorgeous models. They look amazing. Oh, yeah. 
No, I don't absolutely wanna, I don't beautifully denigrate, done. I don't want to denigrate a single standing model that's in this in this uh, movie at any well, point. It's why it's terrifying it. as a kid. Yeah, because you're like, as a kid, I'm not really noticing the dude's legs or anything. I'm just like, holy shit, that's a big weird insect monster. Yeah, you feel the same when you see the Land Striders for the first time. When you're a kid, you're like, shit, those are like giant weird camel bunnies. <laughs> that those- thing's like a catfish and a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. You're not like, oh, wait, no, that's clearly just a dude on stilts, like uh, on four leg stilts. Yeah, that's just some circus dude. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you're watching as an adult, you can literally see the human bodysuit in the middle of the body of the of the Landstrider. Yeah. It doesn't make it less cool. Everything in this movie is fucking gorgeous. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, you, you can definitely see the, the, the paint when you're when you're a grown up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, Augur's whole place goes down in flames and mm-hmm. he fucks off. Yeah, he escapes out the window, doesn't even talk to anybody. He's just like, nope, jumps on the planetarium, jumps oh, out a window. I love that because he doesn't even like, oh, grab something, break the window, and then jump out. He just, without knowing what is out there, just shoulder hucks himself out sideways and is like, and good day, sir. Well, it's a classic thing where you can tell that's just a thrown Muppet. Yes. <laughs> you see it's just Kermit all the time. <laughs> There's the occasional little little nods to Muppet puppetry that are that are visible throughout this movie are great. Like anytime a podling starts running and they do that, like the bottom half of my body starts going and my top half will come in a second later. <laughs> kind of run where you're just like, oh shit, that's Kermit running. Oh yeah, and the podling dance is just like that. There's a Muppet dance, my dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, he just hucks himself out the window, which I wouldn't do. That that fucking planetarium thing is the entirety of a giant cli- uh, uh, plateau or like a butte. Yeah. <laughs> he hurled himself off a cliff and he doesn't have wings because he's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But he gets away and that's when we, we establish that the Chamberlain is tracking him. And we get, uh, we get Kira introduced at yeah. this point now that Jen has... Fallen into a weird swamp somewhere. Yeah, he got he made his way to the swamp, uh, and he's wandering around. Chamberlain hot on his heels. When uh, I I I think he oh he gets scared by Fizzgig. Yeah, and he just falls into swamp Luck. water. Yeah. So Fizzgig is a, another character where if you're of an age, you you know Fizzgig because you wanted him as a toy. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just it's like what if a Tribble was angry? Yeah. What if a Tribble had was ninety percent mouth? It's like a, it's an even mix of Tribble and Mimic. It's, or like the luggage. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Because it's just, what is this? It is a big ball of fur mm-hmm. that is able to open up and have two rows of teeth and goes, ah! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Dave Gell's doing the voice, which means if I if my Muppet foo is correct, which I'm not 100% sure, means that the reason it sounds like that is because it's the guy who does Animal. <laughs> so That would so, be yeah, great. He just sounds, ah! He's like, oh, I wish you wouldn't talk. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't do that. Eat drums. <laughs> no animal beat drums. Uh. uh, But yeah, so he gets scared. The, the, the shit scared out of him by Fizzgig. Then Kira comes out and Kira is, of course, you know, like the worldly good Gelfling as compared to his dumb cloistered idiot Gelfling. Oh, sure. He can read, but no one writes anything. So what did he what does he get out of it? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, the second you get introduced to her, you're like, okay, Kira knows how to actually do stuff, is brave, mm-hmm. and doesn't immediately give up. You because, wonder why the prophecy isn't about her. Right? Yeah. Because, like, 
at one point she like takes him back to the uh the podlings where she got taken in as a kid yeah and they're like oh yeah and then the gartham attack and as soon as that happens he's like well fuck this shard i don't even care anymore she's like what the fuck is wrong with you man we gotta go do this it's gonna kill everybody or they're gonna get i don't even know what happens like maybe i think they get infinite power or something it's i mean basically what's what it says is they'll just rule forever like there's no putting them back together at that point yes yeah the the one this is your one chance to put the crystal back together and we don't want to get the skexies in charge forever because they are well they'll just continue to consume until there's nothing left yeah they're just hedonistically destroying the world we can't we can't keep going with their dumb thing but yeah so she establishes that like because she was raised by podlings she has and because the podlings had a relationship with the gelflings which are otherwise extinct now where the mystics did not they've been able to tell her a little bit about her own species where jen has no fucking idea what a gelfling is (laughs) so she's like oh well yeah gelflings can if they want to learn to speak the languages of the animals girls have wings uh, we we have the following c- cultural traditions and all- if we touch we can dream share that's right they can do their dream fasting where we get to see the two of them have little baby baths and stuff they're like oh we're sharing our memories yeah. look you were traumatized and grew up in hardship and meanwhile some friendly ass muppet <laughs> came and gave me baths and i learned how to read and nothing bad happened to me <laughs> look if you watch your scene real closely you can see one of the main characters from the from the uh, show that follows this because because that's your mom oh. now jen on the other hand we have no idea where the fuck he came from i assume they were saving that for season two of that dark crystal show well <laughs> uh but yeah she drags him back to gelf or to podling village which is one of my favorite bits of this even though the podlings are barely above doozers when it comes to how complicated <laughs> they are as, as a muppet creation they're so much fun oh yeah they're just <laughs> A whole race of babushkas. Just just adorable little potato babushkas. Just just singing and dancing and swimming in the soup. Love them. They're great. Yeah. And he keeps saying thank you to them because it's the only thing he knows how to say in in. Yeah, he's uh, like, Podlings. how do you say thank you? Falavam. Okay, I'm just going to say that to everybody. Ah, Falavam. Falavam. Then one of them grabs him to drag him off to dance and he's like, uh, Falavam. <laughs> It's great until the Gartham burst through their foam core house. Yeah. And they're like, well, I know we were sent here to go get the Gelflings, but we still have podling like racks on our back Mm -hmm. to just shove you guys into. When in podling trees, why not collect a bunch of podlings? And we have seen a scene where we know why they collect the podlings. Because the one Skeksis, um, Skektek, the scientist, has invented a machine that can drain the life force out of them into a little bucket of essence which if you drink it it keeps your male vitality alive oh yeah mm. it'll it'll make you younger briefly <laughs> and it's full they of also un- use podlings as slaves it's full of unfused telomeres and that's why women crave it huh <laughs> i'm sorry but i know in 1982 the yes the, the uh the internet community that thinks that cum is valuable hadn't really developed yet. Uh, but it, view the, viewing this through a 2021 lens, you're just like, ah, essence, I will consume this essence and restore my virility. Uh, <laughs> I must charge from a podling in the woods. Now let's all gather around and charge the dark crystal. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, the other problem is that podling essence isn't all that great. You really want that good gelfling essence. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so the the uh, effect of the crystal juice is not as good as it used to be. No. Which is why all these, these Skeksis are sh- getting old and shitty. Yeah. I mean, they had a whole genocide against the Gelflings, but of course, they juiced a few of them first. Yeah. So they well, knew they juiced, firsthand. I mean, they juiced most of them. That, I mean... The the show reveals that yes the the Skeksis are always aware of the prophecy that a ske- that a Gelfling will solve the problems, but even then they're just like fucking Gelfling juice is great. So you when you try this, shit? so when you watch the show, it's all recruiting Gelflings and then milking them for their essence. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they the one of the Gartham notices them and comes after them, but is interrupted by the Chamberlain. Yes, the Chamberlain doing his best to be like. No, friend! Yeah. <laughs> well, he saves them at this point and then chases them down and has the part that gave me nightmares as a kid, just the part where he's talking to them and he's like, No, me, friend! Make peace! Please! And that part at the end where they're like, No, fuck you! And they run away and he gets all desperate. Please! Peace! Please make peace! And you're like, Oh, friend! This gets so creepy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. I love that. By the way, they have also sent, have the Skeksis, their crystal bats. Eh, crystal bats, scan whatever. Scan the earth, land, and sky. <laughs> Just wanted to point out the cool animals. There's two kinds of cool animals. Yeah. There's Gartham, and then there are bats. Yeah, yeah. and then there's good guy animals, Landstriders and Nebri. The Nebri is like a big water slug that you, is used as a transitory cut between an alive Nebri and a Nebri that the uh, Skeksis are eating because they're decadent and gross. Yep. Uh, but just, yeah, I just want to talk about that dinner scene for forever <laughs> <laughs> where you've got the one, the ornament keeper who's like, I will not soil my vestments. Oh, I love the ornamentalist. Cause it's just like, what do you do? Oh, I am pristine. Yeah. I am a fop. You can tell that I have like powdered my face and used blush on my cheeks. Mm-hmm. And during eating, I will use like little finger spikes to delicately eat what I am having. Meanwhile, the gourmand is face first in his food. Yes, you know it's fantastic. It's the this, the dinner scene is one of the greatest parts of this, just because it's so it, it, luscious. You get to see all this gross stuff they're doing, and they keep bringing out plate after plate of nasty alive food. And also, it is the scene where Agra gets dumped in their in their laps, and she's just like, "Ah, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you done goofed. <laughs> He's playing you." You goof. Uh, but yes. Yeah. So now they've resolved that they have to go rescue the rest of the podlings and do the dark crystal thing. But how will we catch up? Gartham move quickly over the land. Why? I'll call my land strider buddies. Mm-hmm. These catfish rabbit camels. They're so creepy looking. They're every bit as scary as everything else in the movie. Uh, and uh, yeah. I mean, they, this is also one of those very, all right, we get it, parts where it's like, okay, we're walking along, uh, cut yeah. to you walking along, cut to the mystics walking along. Yeah, the Skeksis doing, this is the part where we're watching the Skeksis drain podling essence. The uh, Where we see the scientist like has a reflector that shows the bottom of the dark crystal through a big t- tube, and when you, you show a reflection of dark crystal light to a podling, they get turned into a greasy little zombie. Yep. And then they get some essence, and we see the scene of the emperor, the new emperor, the general, trying to drink some. And he's like, "Oh, I'm young. I'm young once. Oh, it didn't. It lasted like five seconds. Oh, my boner. I need more stem cells." <laughs> uh 
And, uh, yeah, they do meet some Gartham on their way into the Skeksis mansion. And, uh, they kick them apart. They kick them apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> they use their Landstriders. They, 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 uh, Je- Kira just goes berserk and, and rides her Landstrider into battle. Because, it- again, Kira's an actual hero in yes. this movie, and Jen is a piece of shit. Yeah, Jen is just an internally gobsmacked dork. And we learn something cool about the Landstriders. They have tongues that, that like, have electric discharge shocks at the end of them. Because when they're fighting with the the uh, Gartham, they keep touching their tongues to the tops of the Gartham. And, like, sparks and smoke fly out. Is that supposed to be their tongue? I thought they were just kicking them. No, they have, like, a tendril coming out of their mouth from between the bristles of the catfishy stuff. And when it hits stuff, it goes and fires off a little spark blast. Huh. Yeah. Okay. It's super cool looking. Neat. Yeah, I thought that was just their foot. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have a long tongue. Uh, but I mean, someone else can confirm or deny, but they get in a fight with the Gartham, uh, when that's how we learned that lady Gelfling have wings because they fall off a cliff and she's just like, yeah, it's cool. I fly. I fly. Look at these crappy wings. They look like a kite. And then when he's like, what the hell? I don't have wings. Of course not. You're a boy. It's uh, one of the lines I remember as a kid. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, what the fuck is what? How would that? This doesn't make any, how does our species make sense? It doesn't. Why do you need the wings? Why did they evolve? And Or conversely, why did I evolve to not have them? Well, you see, you're a subservient <laughs> sex to us, so you don't get wings. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she she lands with the wings. They manage to sneak into the, 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 the crystal tower. And uh, they get caught by the Chamberlain again. Oh, yeah, who gets mad when, when Jen cuts his hand. And he's just like, well, fuck you, Galfling, and drops the tunnel on him and grabs Kira and is like, look, I got a Gelfling for you. Am I back in your good graces? I love that. I love that he's so pet- petty and petulant. And, and uh, I did this. Yeah, I got Gelfling. Oh, not just that, but the part where he's like, like, I'm mad that you cut my hands, so I'm going to kill you, even though you're one of only two Gelflings of the world. Yes. Just like, uh, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> this yep. is how venal I am. That's Skeksis for you. Yeah. Plus, I love the sequence of it cutting to the uh, his his Uru equivalent, the Chanter, and Chanter's just like, ah, I am bleeding. Oops, fuck. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the fact that the mystics don't give a shit about what's, they're just doing what the prophecy says and nothing else. Oh, yeah. Like, when the scientist Skeksis dies and r- one of the mystics just vanishes, everyone else looks and then just keeps going. Yeah. Just, there's not a moment of mourning or anything. No. One of the, like, final remaining mystics goes up in flame and disappears. And you're like, all right. <laughs> Gotta keep going. Well, I'm sure they know what happened. They maybe don't. We, we have, I have no idea what the mystics know and do not. No. I mean, it's sort of, I think, supposed to be that neither one of them realizes that they are part of the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, now Kira's captured and Jen is buried in rubble, but he is alive still. Yeah. Now, Kira gets taken down to, or she gets taken to the throne room, and that's what John was describing, where where uh, in his attempt to claw his way back into good graces, the Chamberlain's like, no, I did this. I captured Gelfling. She's my prize. A- and uh, they give him back his robes. Yes. And the ritual like, master is the smart one here. He's oh, like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, let's fucking kill her then. Well, I got a dagger. Let's do this. And they're like, no, drink her essence. I got to drain her first. And the ritual master is like, dude, dude, do you not? Okay. <laughs> you know what? If this was 30 years ago, maybe. But like the convergence is in a couple hours. Let's uh, 
better safe than sorry on this one? I know you want a high, but you're about to get an infinite, never-ending one. Mm, no! No! Trade essence! No one look at her! Ugh. Plenty of time for escape! <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kira gets to <laughs> call upon all of the menagerie of kept animals that the scientist has in that lab to free her. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite one of Kira's calls is the Landstriders, because it sounds like she's doing that oh thing. Oh <laughs> Yeah, because she just goes, she just does the er part. <laughs> but anyway, she gets tied to a chair, exposed to the uh, the dark crystal, but luckily Gelflings are made of stronger stuff than Podlings, and so it takes a while, and it turns out Agra is in the room in a cage as well, and she's like, no, like she's like, you have to free me! Use your animal powers or whatever. You've got weird nebulous animal abilities. Just call on them. And they all start hopping up and down in their cages, and the scientist starts freaking out about that, and then everyone escapes. Yep. And uh, he gets pushed into the lava, and that's when the other mystic dies. Yep, so that's our our, uh, our second ga- double casualty of the movie. The <laughs> The big thing at the end here, where it's like, okay... All of the Skeksis are meeting at the Dark Crystal for the Convergence. Jen has made his way out of the rubble and is running around trying to find the Dark Crystal. Kira has made her way out of the experiment thing and is trying to make her way there. And so everyone just sort of converges in the same area. (laughs) This is the part I was making fun of earlier, where Jen's standing there, three feet from the Dark Crystal, shard of the Dark Crystal in his hand, Big obvious shard hole on the top of the dark crystal, visible convergence through a huge triangle on the ceiling, and he's standing there going, well, now what? Wait, what should I do now? The convergence is occurring. My master said, dark crystal, crystal shard, convergence, what? Hold on. But if I train leaves at six (laughs) o'clock, one one question mark, six question marks. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, the, <laughs> the amount of shit that has to happen for him to get off his ass oh, yeah. is excessive. Cause like, he just sits there staring at it until mm-hmm. finally the convergence is actually already happening. The convergence starts happening and then the Skeksis notice Kira because Fizzgig is like, rah, 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 rah. right. And they're like, oh, Galfling, fuck her up. And then the Kate Chamberlain notices Jen, and he's like, two Galflings, get them both. Galflings must die. And And the only reason he does anything at that point is because a Gartham is about to grab him. And he's like, well, I guess I might as well jump on that crystal. He jumps on it and promptly drops the shard. Just butterfingers that shard out of his hand on impact. And I'm like, you useless pile of garbage. Now this, this point, was your one thing. At this point, Fizzgig sacrifices himself to delay the, the, the shard getting into the hands of the Gelfling or the Skeksis. Kira floats down there and gets the thing and then gets stabbed in the back. And and again, they're like, no, give us the shard and you can go free. And Jen, the little bitch that he is, is like, yeah, sure. Just don't hurt Kira. You can have the shard. I don't give a fuck about this planet. Yeah. And Kira has to go, no, you goddamn moron. I will throw you the shard. Stop it. Right. So finally, her uh, imminent death finally drives us into action to putting the, the the shard into the hole, the shard hole. Even then, like, he has he the crystal. for a while, yeah. He sees her get stabbed. She falls down. And then he has to kind of, like, sit there. 
look up at the convergence, <laughs> look back at the crystal. I'm like, my dude, get it together. I kept for years. I was reading about the planned sequel to the Dark Crystal stuff because um, obviously, you know, the, the the show was set like 70 years before. Um, but but there's supposed to be a sequel where Ki- where Jen had been become a wise king with Queen Kira by his side. Uh-huh. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> ah, he's just too friggin' dopey. <laughs> uh, but dork. yeah, he, he finally fucking does it. He stabs the crystal with the little crystal. And then the weird gross castle turns into a crystal castle. Uh-huh. And the Uru mystics... marching in. Yeah, they march right up to the dark crystal, turn around. The crystal shoots them, and then they get super eye beams, which tractor beam the skexies into them i love that there's a sequence because the skexies are all running around like circus clowns they're just they're oh, like, oh fuck no, the no. shard ah and they're all just zipping around and then at a certain point once the once the uh the mystics are all standing in a circle around the shard the, the crystal all of the skexies just happen to line up in a circle around the mystics according to their pairings yeah and then they all get sucked in. And you get to see the mystics do something you didn't think they could do, which is stand up straight. And you're like, fuck, those things are like 15 feet tall. <laughs> Holy shit. Jesus Christ. And then they merge into like tree people. The Ursek. The Ursek, yeah. And uh, and they look <laughs> nothing like either one of them. So it's weird that that's what they split into. It is strange because in the there's a scene where they find an old wall mural that explains what's happening. And in that, that the Ursek look like Skeksis. Like, they have the Skeksis uh, beaks and everything, but they also have some Mystics features. Like, they have four arms, but also the the, the, the bird beaks. But when they turn into the actual Urskak, they look like, I don't know, broccoli people? Yeah. They're like gray broccoli people. Yeah, they're just big, tall, floaty... Broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> it's, uh... It ain't great. Yeah, I they, mean... Uh, <laughs> the, the nine of them stand around... Eight of them now. The eight yeah. of them stand around and are like... You did it. Hey, Go you know, back in the day, we uh, we tried a little something where we broke off a piece of the crystal. Whoops, our bad. We accidentally a genocide anyway, bye. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, well, well. Like, Looks like the real dark crystal was the friend you made along the way. Anyway, bye. Time to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, we, we've been here long enough. We should move. Don't want to overstay our welcome. Sorry about the genocide. I'll just be uh, here. You can have uh, a cookie. Bye. The cookie is that they bring Jen back or Kira back to life. Not even that. They're just like, hey, hug her. And because she's part of you and she'll come back to life. Like they don't even do anything. They're just like, oh, I guess part of Gelfling abilities is if you hug a dying one you can bring them back this is definitely part of the movie where even though i love the movie as a child i did not remember that the fucking urskek are aliens yes they're not from the planet they just fuck off immediately they're not like we're gonna hang around now and be benevolent overseers or something they're like anyway this is your planet (laughs) sorry for fucking it up for a thousand years sorry agra sorry oops we're sorry our bad (laughs) we'll send a card damn it <laughs> and they fuck along and that is the end like it doesn't have a there's no denouement or anything no it's just all right well i guess we're in charge of this crystal tower now uh-huh the end the and they just write the credits we just go to outside the tower and the credits start from outside the tower and that it's just it's just you did it you reconnected the ur and the skek and they make the earth skek and and done great you did it 
Which is why I think people have clamored for a sequel for so fucking long, because this is a movie where you want to see what happens next. I mean, honestly, I kind of want the prequel of like, what the fuck were these guys thinking when they came down here? (laughs) Was the Dark Crystal theirs originally, or did they come down here and go, well, that's neat, hit it, and then get separated and go, whoops-a-doops. I don't. I I think that's pretty much what happened. Is that they they came to the planet to study the dark crystal, and then in their hubris they thought they could break off a piece to take with them or to study later or something. And instead of doing that, it just went all resonance nonsense and split them into two decadent monster types. Yep, it was it was really fucked up. Ugh. but yeah, there you go. Dark crystal, very very weird, very weird, but also you know pretty much worth watching just for the arts direction and so on. Uh, let's go ahead and do our best and worst then, since we got to the end. Jeff, give me the single best thing in this. Don't, don't take like all the puppetry. Give me like (laughs) one thing in this. My favorite thing about this movie is Dark Crystal. (laughs) Yeah. The Dark Crystal itself. It looks cool. I love that crystal. Crazy for that crystal. (laughs) No, it's the Chamberlain, dude. The Chamberlain's the greatest character ever. He's, he's instantly recognizable because of that weird whimper he's doing. And of course, because they do strip him of the robes and send him out, he also becomes immediately set apart because you're like, oh, you're the one Skeksis we can actually see. And you look fucked up. And I love that there's scenes where he's like, tries to convince them that he's changed his ways because he lost the war or something, but not even, they don't lie to you at all. They're like, no, this guy's still a fucking evil, degenerate, opulent creep. Like, there's there's a second where he's like, no, be friends, make peace. And you're like, just no. show others. <laughs> no, absolutely not hurt. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, how about you've murdered every one of us. You are still alive because you've been drinking the juice of my parents for centuries. Nah. You know <laughs> what? Nah. <laughs> yeah. The Chamberlain is is a, a singular creation who I, I can't imagine a situation where they could possibly drag him to any other property. It's not like they're about to make Space Jam Muppet version. <laughs> I mean, Fizzgig did show up in Fraggle Rock once. That's true. Fizzgig made it out. Um, and I think there have been a few other appearances of, I mean, obviously there's Chamberlain has had a whole show to himself now. Well, yeah, I was going to say there is a fizz gig in uh, the show as well. Yes. Um, and that the show is completely worth watching, by the way, even though it ends on a cliffhanger, it is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's the Chamberlain for me. What about you? Ah, uh, God, I think my favorite thing. Let me say tone so you could have the Chamberlain. No, <laughs> I think my very favorite thing is. I'm just going to say that dinner scene just because the meeting of the Skeksis and Agra, the two best things in this film otherwise, is just the best moment in this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Agra, I was talking to uh, to my girlfriend Florence about this before uh, before we started recording tonight, and she was like, one of my favorite things about Agra is that that she is basically, what if Princess Leia was Yoda? Because and, and not just because because Agra is a female character. That's not even part of it. It's because Princess Leia is the snarky. I already know how to do this shit. Why is everyone in the world such an idiot asshole to especially talking to people in power in the dinner scene is is the big shot of her doing that. Oh, yeah, that that's her. Like, I thought I smelled your stench, uh, Tarkin or whatever <laughs> moment. <laughs> Which is like, it's great. It's it's a Princess Leia Yoda, and it fucking works. Oh, yeah. The fact that she just immediately is like, you greasy lizards, you fucked up. And you're like, <laughs> I love you, Agra. This is great, because it's such a great, in that one scene, a character study for nine different characters, and it barely uses any dialogue for anyone but Agra. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is perfect. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic scene. 
Uh, worst thing in the movie for you? Least favorite? I, I mean, it's it's gonna have to be uh, the Jen and Kira puppetry. Oh, it's it's just not great. I mean, the pro- I, I don't blame them. It was really hard. They needed to make the two main characters look human so that audiences would resonate with it at all. I don't know why they felt like they had to do that. I mean, I fucking mean, Muppets Take Manhattan worked, and that was a frog and a pig. I mean, honestly, I feel like they should have just gone with let's put some stuff on actual people mm-hmm. instead of trying to make it an all puppet. But yeah, eh. I, I mean, I, I understand why they did what they did. The, the Henson wanted a 100% puppet movie to prove concept. Yes. He'd already done every other tra- type of movie where, where you had Muppets interacting with humans regularly. Uh, this was his chance to be like, no, you can just do puppetry. You can create a whole fucking puppet world. And then they were like, no. And then they did Labyrinth and they were like, see, get some humans. <laughs> and, and Except still no. And I, I'm pretty sure it performed worse. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I would say Jen and Kira's puppetry is just sort of subpar by the rest of the standards of the film. And it's a shame because you spend more time with the two of them than anything else. Yeah. I mean, which leads into my least favorite thing, which is mostly just (laughs) Jen's train of thought. Yeah. Because they didn't have the ability to make the puppet speaking look good. Yeah. They just had to try and fill space with Jen thinking things. And it's not even that, like, the voice actor for Jen was bad. Yeah, something garlic, Stephen Garlic or something like that. But it was just, uh, okay. He, well, the problem just, is his is, thoughts are boring. It's a boring place to be. Every time they're like, well, what's Jen thinking? I don't want to do it alone. I've never seen lands like this. I'm, I'm no good at this. Why would anyone send me? I'm not a hero. And I'm like, yeah, you're not. You suck. I get it. You don't need to tell me that. Hero's journey. I thought you spent your whole life doing nothing but reading. How have you not read some fiction books? Ugh. <laughs> this is the part where I should pay a, diff- a heavy price. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I just, especially when you go from the narrator's narration at the beginning to then Jen's narration of his own shit, and you're like, ooh, no, oh, bring the other guy back. <laughs> it, would be, it would have been better if this whole movie had no dialogue for the, the Gelflings. It was pure narrated. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is that is my least favorite thing, is Jen's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and rate the movie then. We'll each give it a rating zero to five to give it a full rating out of ten. Jeffrey? I'm going to be honest, I really like this movie, but that said, I can't give it a five. It is boring. Um, I just really like the art direction. I really like the imagination, and that is enough to push me up to a four. So that's right. what I'm, I'm going to give it. Okay. Yep. And you? <sighs> I'm going to give it a two and a half. half. <laughs> I was going to say, it's gonna, I knew it was going to be something low. It's, it is not a good watch there are like i mentioned there are these moments in this film that are so good because henson knows what he's doing oh yeah frank oz is a great performer oh yeah like you have these moments where they allow certain things to shine whether it's here is this puppet design that's so good and we're just gonna let it shine on its own or we're gonna let frank oz just be as fucking off the wall as he wants when you get to hear the puppeteers who normally just do sweet little characters you have dave gels who does like robin or sorry jerry nelson who does robin and jerry nelson's just like oh most of my puppets and they just talk like this and they're real nice but in this you get to hear him kind of doing back alley negotiations i think he's playing the high priest or something and he's just like it should be you yes like, chamberlain yes yeah exactly you're like fuck these people are so good at this and it's so sad that it's wrapped in 
such a boring package <laughs> because I'm like, all of these points that you are getting, this 2.5 is aesthetic alone. Sure. And that's it. Because there's so much missing from plot and pacing and everything else that while watching it, I was like, God, I could just I could just do something else while this is on in the background and I'm not going to miss anything. Look, this is like the 50th time I've watched this movie. I'm not going to lie. I checked to see if I could watch it at like 1.5 speed or whatever. Amazon Prime doesn't have that feature. I strongly considered it. <laughs> I was like, maybe if I download it and run it through a video editor, <laughs> I might be able to watch it faster. <laughs> But again, I don't have any ties to this movie. I understand, obviously, that would color things. Like, I mean, let's be honest. If we reviewed Labyrinth, I'd give it a five, and I don't give a fuck about anyone. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, I wouldn't give it a two and a half. Because again, it's a movie that's powered by art direction, but kind of ruined by the main character not being as interesting as I think Henson thought. <laughs> Where I'm just like, shut the fuck up, Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> Babysit and be nice. <laughs> Uh, but it gets made up for by David Bowie just existing. <laughs> Any movie that was made while David Bowie was alive gets five stars. <laughs> David Bowie showed up in your movie. Five stars. <laughs> That's going to be a real problem when you have to watch his like shitty vampire movie. And stuff. Five stars. <laughs> You're going to have to give uh, Zoolander. Zoolander yeah, <laughs> that's the one movie that popped up and I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that rule. <laughs> Oh, but there you go. Six and a half out of ten between the two of us, I think is probably a decent enough rating for this movie. Sure, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to give it a five just to get it up to a seven and a half, but I'm an honest But honestly, reviewer. a six and a half is actually probably it, it, where it, it belongs. It is a very slow movie. Um, there's no getting around it. It's just like the only other movie we've watched from 1982, The Day After Tomorrow, kind of slow. I mean, it is definitely a movie that I'm like, if you wanted to watch this with other people, mm -hmm. I think that would be the way to go. Because watching it by yourself is just like, oh, fuck. But if there's someone else is there, then while it is being boring and just a <laughs> little puppet is walking through the swamp for five minutes going, but should I? You can turn to the other person and go, okay, but those Skeksis, though, right? The fucking Skeksis. Look at that shit. Look at that one who's got the big, long, dangly... The Ritual Master has that long, like, anglerfish dangler on his head. And you're like, fuck, I want that fucking thing. This, all of these things are great. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Six and a half. Six and a half. Great. And we, of course, love that you have joined us on our little journey through the Dark Crystal. But if you want more, mm -hmm. if you're hungry if you're a little too skexies and one meal just isn't enough <laughs> you can head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery and gorge yourselves on content it's getting a little skexies in here <laughs> yeah a little too skexies <laughs> i'm too skexies for my shirt we have at the five dollar level all of our bonus content yeah. you can get all of the weird characters we make in a bunch of RPGs. You can get our telling stories about goofy bullshit from the Star Wars universe. And Supernatural universe. And Supernatural and X-Men and, and Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. And you get TV mastery. And this season we are going through the classic early 90s lineup of Snick, Nickelodeon's attempt to appeal to a teenage audience. So far, we've already talked about Pete and Pete, and Clarissa explains it all. John, what are we doing this week? Right now, we are going into one of the, if not the least known property on SNCC, Roundhouse. Mm-hmm. 
And there's definitely some stuff to talk about there. We are going to be doing that. So please join us over at patreon.com slash system mastery at the $5 level. And of course it helps us. It helps the show. It keeps us doing what we're doing. And if you can't, if times are tough, you don't have money to help us out. That is very, very normal. But if you like the show, you can always give us a nice review. Give us a five star wherever you're listening to us. Just take a couple seconds and go, hey, these guys are okay. And by the way, John, our third book just came out. Yeah, um, so- definitely the third book with our name on it came out. <laughs> Look, I know that we're a little upset about the deal <laughs> about the deal we got. on. The- I'm not going to. It's fine. It's fine. But it did just come out. And even well, though yeah, today we got the our copies got our of copies, it. And even though we don't really get much out of the back end on this book, that doesn't mean I don't want people to go buy it because I do want to do more books in the future. So, hey, if you're looking for a, a good new gr- uh, quest keeper and journaling guide, the ultimate RPG quest keeper uh, by Jeff Aldrich and John Taylor, now available on store on stores shelves. On stores on now. On stores now. Go up on top of them. <laughs> We're only on the roof. <laughs> go, go up to your local Barnes and Noble and say, I'd like the special selection. <laughs> I want the books that are only for people who are smart enough to go up to the roof and rats and birds. <laughs> uh, yes, our our new RPG journaling book, only for the rats of Nim. <laughs> but that said, it is out today. It's a, it's a journal and character uh, journal keeping guide, uh, which I honestly wrote so long ago and I'm so hev- heavily involved in writing the new book that this doesn't even seem familiar to me now. Oh yeah, no, I, I flipped through it and I was like, Wow. All right. Sure. I guess I did that. <laughs> I guess that's a thing that happened. <laughs> but it's a good book, and I, I would recommend it if you're looking for a journaling guide anyway. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to get out of here, but of course, we will be back in another couple weeks with a little bit more of that movie mastery magic. And until then, you all have a good one.